Welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I thought I'd be healthier, in better shape, feel better both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and be further along in my life? If so, come on this journey with my dad as he explores all things health and wellness from a holistic, medical perspective, even as a classically trained physician. He'll share integrative strategies to optimize health and inspire you to join the modern medicine movement. Welcome, 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 welcome to the modern medicine movement. And a big aloha. Hey guys, Dr. Thomas Hemingway here coming to you from Hawaii. So excited to be with you. So nice to be home. So nice to be getting some vitamin D on a regular basis. It's just, (laughs) oh, I can't tell you how nice it is to see the sunshine. It's a breath of fresh air. It's warm. I don't need any big, thick coats. It's awesome. Nature in every way is awesome. A little bit of sunshine, a little bit of greenery, a little bit of fresh air. Geez, not only does it help me in a normal time and year, but During all this stuff, you know, the last few months, and I know we've all been in our homes a lot more than we used to be, including me. Oh my gosh, so nice to get a little outside time, get a little Hawaii Ne, a little vitamin D, which, uh, you know, speaking of vitamin D, if you haven't listened to my last podcast, please, 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 please take a listen. Man, the, the, significant and so, so many benefits of vitamin D. I just began to kind of elucidate, scratch the surface and share with you in my last podcast because I keep coming up with more and more things on a daily basis. In fact, after already recording my podcast, I saw this article come up that shows how important it is not only to immune function, it's been studied back in, you know, influenza, studies and whatnot, but even the data coming up already on COVID is it's been helpful to, you know, decrease your chances of getting it, decrease the severity. If you do get it up to 10 times decreased, you know, risk of getting it and getting bad infection if your vitamin D is normal, which is stinking incredible, way better than any medicine I've ever heard of. I I mean, most of the medications out there are lucky to give you you know, a one-third benefit or, or basically equivalent to placebo. Um, it's super rare. You'll get a two times, three times, four times, or even like this, 10 times. And this is from something that's free. It's available. It's outside. It's in you. You have the precursors. Well, we'll, we'll talk about actually the precursors today. Super pumped to share with you today on a precursor to vitamin D, which is cholesterol and the fats in our diet and how they're mostly a myth to what we've been told for 25, 30, 50 years by science, by medicine. Can't wait to get into that here in a little bit. But first, I just wanted to thank you for being here. Thank you so much for listening. I just just am tickled by hearing your feedback. And this is really why I do this. I just want to spread what's true, what's accurate, what's out there in the real data, in the real science. And and all the things that sometimes even myself as a physician haven't always been as up to date with as I've wanted to be. And we may have been, you know, poorly instructed in certain ways. And, you know, that little thing we 
<laughs> sometimes hear about, right? And the graduation speeches that we're so grateful for you guys. And the only bad news is that only half of what we told you in these four years, for example, my four years of medical school, only half of it is true. And unfortunately, we don't know yet which half is that half. <laughs> uh, I know that's a little bit of an overstatement. And I, I'm being a little bit... <laughs> oversimplified and maybe exaggerational, but, but actually it's, it's so important to stay up to date with these things because we're getting new research, we're getting new information all the time, and I'll try to make it uh, more understandable and applicable and, and just useful to all of us uh, from my background as a physician for many years and taking care of patients, even present day. I'm still working in the hospital, I'm still taking care of patients, and I'm doing my best to to do, you know, my due diligence to help them and to help you guys to obtain optimal health. That's really my goal here, you know, total, complete health, not just of the body, but also we can't neglect the mind, our spirit, our emotions, our relationships. We're here to talk about everything health. So feel free, you know, shoot me feedback questions. Uh, you can email me, Modern Medicine Movement Podcast at Gmail. Uh, please, you know, download my episodes on my Modern Medicine Movement podcast, share them, give me a review on Apple, super easy, just scroll to the bottom on the podcast site there when you get on and scroll to the bottom, hit the five star to the far right, and then write a review. Really, really super easy, but super helpful to get the word out, to get this shared with many, many, many people, because this stuff is important. And I only choose subjects that I feel like can help us live better, not only on a daily basis, feel better, but, but improve our overall life, wellness, and health. Optimal health. That's my goal for all of us. So please, please, please give me some feedback. In fact, um, I just want to share with you a recent uh, uh, review that just came out in the last couple of days. And so grateful for these. This is from Madeline, uh, Madeline's mom. She says, I believe that's a she, but says, uh, Dr. Hemingway is such an inspiration because he approaches medicine from a common sense perspective. I appreciate that he discusses supplementation, science, things to remove from your kitchen, as well as immune and gut health. Keep up the good work and may God richly bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Madeline, or Madeline's mom. That For me, that's, that's the reason why I do this. I just want all of us to enjoy optimal health. I want us to be able to benefit from this message and get, get the word out because I think there is so much room to benefit. And speaking of benefit, I hope you know about our private Facebook group by now. It's free. It's called the Modern Medicine Movement Health and Wellness Group. You can find me on Facebook there. It's a private group that I'll give you additional um, you know, sharing with lives, with posts, with information, always on optimizing our health and wellness. So look for me there. I'll accept your request. Um, Aloha Surf Doc also is Insta, as well as Modern Medicine Movement on Insta. And just, just please connect with me. Love to hear from you guys. It just keeps me motivated to keep doing this because it's it's awesome to share this. It's so much, <laughs> gosh, if you knew the, the hours and hours I put into this particular podcast, because there's so much data out there, I just want to distill it down, kind of get you there more quickly to what I've gleaned from literally days and weeks and months of research on this topic of cholesterol, which I'm about to 
share with you. So keep sharing, keep giving me feedback, and thank you, thank you, thank you in advance. And now let's get into it. I'm pumped. Today is a topic that, unfortunately, I think the media and most physicians, I'm I don't even think I'm stepping out on a limb here. I think the majority of physicians actually have this wrong. (laughs) And, you know, I don't think they're doing it on purpose, but I think they've been misled through a lot of, you know, um, pharmaceutical company-sponsored research that hasn't been as good as it was purported to be from them purposely leaving things out. Um, And so it's not their fault. A lot of them just don't know this information. In fact, uh, I think up until about 10 or so years ago, the pharmaceutical companies out there actually were not required to even report their negative studies. You couldn't even find them. They could have had 100 studies on a certain drug, none of the which showed any benefit to their drug. And then the 101st study showed maybe a little tiny bit of benefit, and they only published the 101st one. They didn't, didn't uh, tell us about the other 100 that showed no benefit. It's crazy. Now, thank goodness, we're um, having some guidelines that, that have them report even the negative studies. But, geez, all of this research, for example, that came out on the initial, you know, cholesterol studies with LDL and things like that, they was in an era where they didn't even have to report these negative studies. And, and actually, when they did report the studies, of course, they're only going to report the positive ones, but they were actually pretty, pretty weakly, weakly positive. Um, and I'll tell you more about that in just a sec, but, but let's get into it. Why, why do we even talk about this? What is the big deal with fat? Is fat bad for us? Is it good for us? Like what, what's the deal with it? Well, let me just tell you fat is not necessarily bad for you, especially the good fat. If you're, if you're getting it from good natural sources, I'll just cut to the chase. You're avoiding highly processed foods and oils that have fats that, you know, are the PUFAs, the polyunsaturated fatty acids, the hydrogenated fatty acids, basically all the stuff that comes from the lab, those types of fats, you know, the vegetable oils that are highly processed. Um, unfortunately, they purport it and basically tell us that they're good because they're from plants. They have to be good, right? These things like canola oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, but they're super incredibly highly processed and they've had chemical bonds added, which makes them prone to oxidation, which basically makes inflammation occur in our bodies. And inflammation, just in case you didn't know, it's not a good thing. Inflammation is really the enemy and the supervillain out there. It's not the fat. It's not the cholesterol. It's not the LDL. It's not the enemy. It's not even the problem. And and let's just talk about it. I mean, why, why do we even have fat or, or cholesterol specifically in our bodies? Well, it's actually super important in our bodies. Cholesterol is what I'll talk about specifically right now because we make it. And if we don't make it, um, or I should say, if we don't get it from our diet, we, we have to make even more of it. I mean, generally speaking, our bodies make about 85% of the cholesterol um, from, from basically, um, the precursors, you know, and diet and things like that, but, but they make it, um, in the liver, the liver is the large, uh, production source, you know, the factory, if you will, for cholesterol. And we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more. Um, and then 15% comes directly from the diet more or less, but that number will change depending on what kind of a diet you eat. Obviously, if you're eating a low carb, you know, higher protein, higher fat diet, which there's nothing wrong with that. I kind of tend to 
to eat more that way, um, you'll be able to utilize the, the, you know, good, healthy, natural fats that you eat better and the liver won't have to work so hard uh, because you'll have plenty of precursors out there. But, but at the end of the day, why do we even have cholesterol? I mean, if we didn't need it, trust me, the body wouldn't make it. We haven't been around for thousands and millions of years um, with, with cholesterol in our bodies because it's the bad guy. It's the supervillain. It's not. It's not the bad guy. It's actually highly, highly important, highly helpful, highly useful. We need it in our bodies. It's actually the main, main, main substance that is, is used to make up the lining of all of our cells, this thing called the cellular membrane, sort of like our cells protection that keeps the cell safe, keeps it from exploding, keeps it safe from you know, the pathogens, the bacteria, the viruses out there. This cholesterol is the primary substance by which our own lining, our cellular membranes, are made. So we need it. It's super important. This is our protective lining. Also, um, you know, if we look at where cholesterol is in our bodies, it's, it's in a large part in the brain. Like 25% of it roughly is in the brain. It's super important in the transmission of the neurologic, you know, messages, the neurotransmitters, you know, the myelin, the, the way that we, we make and send messages from the brain to the body and vice versa is hugely dependent on cholesterol. And I'll share with you later that, that people that have higher cholesterol, your doctor won't know this probably, and certainly the drug companies, they, they might know it, but they won't tell you, but having higher cholesterol will actually improve your brain function. Because of this, our brains actually need the stuff. It's important for us. It's important for us. It's also important for um, manufacturing lots of hormones in our body that are necessary. For example, you know, estrogen, uh, testosterone, you know, made in the ovaries and the testes, um, respectively, use the cholesterol that we eat in our diet or that the liver is making to be able to manufacture these super important hormones. Also the adrenal glands, right? Those little guys sitting on top of our kidneys that are super important for maintaining our homeostasis, maintaining our body's response to our environment, you know, the the potential stress hormones that are made and, and all the things that the adrenal does, and it does a lot of stuff, those hormones are basically made from steroids. I mean, uh, excuse me, cholesterol. Cholesterol makes the steroid hormones. Cholesterol is the building block. Cholesterol is vital. We need it. It is not the bad guy. Also, uh, for many of the fat-soluble vitamins, like the ever-important vitamin D, which I just talked a lot about um, recently, is actually made from cholesterol. And, oh my gosh, vitamin D is so important, both for its messaging, you know, as I mentioned, it helps turn on and off genes, uh, the so-called epigenetic phenomenon that's awesome to know about because it's more important the way that our genes are turned on and off than just what is in the book, so to speak. We're not uh, creatures of predestiny. We actually can take control of our lives, and, and we do that through the epigenetic phenomenon. We can basically tell our body how to turn on and off our genes, and it's freaking awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But we need vitamin D to do that and a lot of these other messengers that tend to be made from cholesterol. Also, we need it to break down our nutrients that we eat, to break down the fat that we eat and things. The liver makes bile acids, which help us to digest the food. They also help... 
get rid of excess cholesterol. So don't worry about it. If you eat too much good cholesterol, your body knows what to do with that. It just dumps it out and you'll have some fat and oily stuff in your poop. Like that's okay. It's all right. It's not bad. You know, I think a lot of physicians out there don't even understand what that means to have kind of an oily, you know, fatty stool. It's just that we're getting rid of excess cholesterol. It's not a bad thing. Doesn't mean you're sick. I mean, it's okay. Don't worry. Eat all the healthy fat that you want. And if you have too much to be used in your body, your body gets rid of it through the bile acids, bile salts, and it comes out in your stool. It's okay. Read Dr. Mercola's book. He, he wrote an amazing book called uh, Fat for Fuel. Um, it's incredible. I mean, that guy eats basically all fat, right? I'm kind of more of a omnivore. I eat a lot of fat. I eat a lot of protein. I eat very little carbs. Um, but uh, this guy is so specific, and it's basically an all-fat, you know, ketotic-leaning uh, diet. Mine is on that spectrum, but it's not, not nearly that extreme. I believe in moderation. I believe in making good, healthy food choices and just eating natural stuff and not having to bring a calculator with me when I go to the kitchen or when I go to eat. I, I don't write anything down. I just eat natural, real, whole foods, real, whole foods. That's the important thing. Um, Anyway, this, this LDL um, phenomenon that we'll talk about, we'll get to later, it's not, it's not the bad guy. It's not the bad guy because there is a reason our bodies have cholesterol. We actually need it. We need it for all of these things. Our muscles need it, right? I mean, they need energy. They need the source of energy. The main energy source, especially if we're on a low-carb diet, is through the fats that we eat. And those are going to get transported to the muscle. And guess how they're going to get there? They're going to get there from the protein LDL, low-density lipoprotein. It's not even cholesterol at all. It's just the carrier. Some people have described it as the boat that brings the goods to the cells, you know. It brings the cholesterol that the cells need. It brings fatty acids, um, you know, the triglycerides that come from your diet mostly, that are needed for fuel, it also brings the enzyme CoQ10, which is super important, right, for good, solid, you know, machinery function of our cells. And the mitochondria helps us to have the energy that we need, and it is actually carried in the LDL particle. So the antioxidants uh, are commonly carried around and delivered by the LDL. So LDL is not the bad guy. It's not the supervillain. In fact, it's not cholesterol. It's not fat at all. It's just the carrier protein, remember? low-density lipoprotein. And that's what's actually being measured um, when you take a blood test. And so when you think of this, just remember, you can't look at that number, the LDL number, in the proverbial vacuum. You need to think about why LDL is there in the first place. And it needs to be interpreted with other studies, like the number of triglycerides in your blood, the number of HDL, the high-density lipoprotein, which is the so-called good cholesterol. And, you know, it is important to have a higher um, reading for this one because it will help you get rid of excess cholesterol that you don't need. And it basically brings it back to the liver where its process goes into those bile acids and bile salts, and then it gets dumped in your stool, in your poop, right? And that's from the HDL, which is considered to be the good cholesterol. So what you really want is you want to have a high HDL, a low triglyceride, and the absolute amount of LDL honestly just doesn't matter that much. It depends on really your diet. Your diet is what matters. <laughs> 
Because as I will tell you about uh, later on, when I look at a lot of the data, people with higher levels of cholesterol, specifically LDL, especially when they're getting it from a good, solid, you know, natural source, like these folks in Italy that are living 100 plus years, the folks in Denmark, the folks that they've done these long-term generational studies on, people that live to their 90s and 100s routinely, guess what they have? They have high LDL, the so-called bad cholesterol, and they actually live longer. So, so I think, why does LDL, the low-density lipoprotein, why does it get this bad rap anyway? Well, the problem is that the original studies looking at it done over 50, now I think about 60 years ago, we're looking at this illness called FH, familial um, hyper, hyper just means high, cholesterolemia. And basically these people have a defect in the LDL receptor. There's a lot of different defects that they have, but one of the main ones is in the receptor that takes the cholesterol back up into the liver to get rid of it. They have a defect in that. And so they just have higher levels of circulating um, LDL. And so that in and of itself, actually, when they've looked at the data, didn't make these people die at any higher rates than the average general public when they looked at the data appropriately. When they first reported it, they didn't take into consideration things like what was their blood sugar? What was their level of insulin? or what was their so-called level of insulin resistance? Did they have high blood pressure or not? And basically, those were the things that made this group of people and the so-called control group, right, which didn't have the familial hypercholesterolemia, that's what made those people have the heart disease. It had really nothing to do with the absolute numbers of LDL at all. In fact, when they looked at the studies, again, it was so interesting because the... <laughs> increased risk of dying in this group from a high LDL number compared to the already high numbers and in the general population as well was like 1.2 times. Actually, I think it was even less than that, 1.1 something. So hardly even any, any change, even despite levels of things like 300, 400, 500 for their cholesterol numbers. These are ridiculous numbers. And yet, they really weren't dying at any increased rate when you controlled for all these confounding things like high blood pressure, like diabetes, prediabetes, elevated blood sugar, elevated insulin. And actually those things, everyone that I just named, had a six, seven, and even eight times, per, eight times chance, not percent, but, but literally double, triple, quadruple the chance of dying, you know, up to eight times. What, what's the word for eight? You have quadruple, quintuple, sectuple, whatever. Eight times the chance of uh, dying if you had high blood pressure or if you had diabetes or prediabetes or just really high blood sugar that puts you in this sort of metabolic syndrome as a prediabetic or just increased levels of insulin in general because your body is not sensitive to insulin because you eat too much carbs in your diet and they, you know, you got to release all this insulin, try to soak them up and they start to not work as well. That's called insulin resistance, which is basically caused by diabetes and prediabetes and being overweight, all these things. So when they looked at, and smoking, of course, that was in the six to eight times uh, increased risk as well. But just the high cholesterol numbers in and of itself was like 1.1 times the risk. So almost no change. It's crazy. Like, why didn't they tell us that? They didn't tell us that stuff when I was in medical school. So it's not the bad guy. In fact, what I think the reason they like to call it the bad guy is because when they take a microscope 
and they look at these so-called, you know, plaques or the clogging of that, you know, artery, what they find is they got these cells in there called macrophages, which basically eat up all the stuff that isn't able to, you know, go to where it needs to go. And they end up eating up what's called the oxidized, or we could call it the deformed um, LDL, which, you know, once they become oxidized, they can't be taken up normally into the cells. They're kind of like, you know, let's say they're a boat floating around and they no longer have a ramp to get the cargo unloaded and the boat is dented up and they're too messed up to be able to dock. And so because they can't dock, they can't get rid of the um, cholesterol, um, which they're supposed to be getting rid of. And what happens is that these cells called the macrophages, which basically like gobble up all the stuff that can't appropriately go to its normal location to drop off its cargo, so to speak. These cells eat up the bad or, or injured or damaged, let's just not even call them bad, just the, the, the injured or damaged um, LDL particles, which get damaged by oxidation. And we'll talk a lot about oxidation, but in short, it's basically um, caused by inflammation. So as I spoke of at the outset, inflammation is not good. Inflammation is the supervillain. Inflammation is what we need to avoid. It's not the fat in our diet necessarily that we need to avoid as long as we're eating good natural sources of fat. You can literally eat all the fat you want. Just read Dr. Mercola's book. The guy's a genius. Um, and it's not the fat that is the problem. It's the inflammation. It's the insulin resistance. It's what's causing the injury, because actually these uh, particles, the fat, you know, uh, cholesterol particles, I should say, they end up getting eaten up by the macrophages, and then they are the ones that kind of get stuck in the walls of the of the damaged endothelium. The endothelium is just a lining. It's like the inside of the pipe. And when the inside of the pipe gets damaged, then this whole process starts. The LDL is not even there until after the injury, until after the inflammation sets in, after the oxidation sets in, then the LDL goes there. And it may, it may even be, consider this, it may even be going there to help because we know LDL is helpful in basically forming new cells, right? You need the cholesterol inside of that carrier protein, the low-density lipoprotein, which is the LDL. It needs to deliver its cargo, which is the cholesterol, to help build new cells. So just consider this. Maybe it's actually there to help repair the damage that is being caused by the oxidative stress, by the inflammation, by the high blood sugars, by the high blood pressure. And it's there to be helpful. I mean, think of this analogy. Let's say there is a big fire, a structural fire, and it's burning down like crazy. Who do we call? Well, we call the fire department, right? The firefighters and so on. They arrive and they arrive to help out, to put out the fire. But if you took a snapshot and you saw that fire going and you saw the firefighters at the scene, you could say, erroneously of course, that guilt by association, the firefighter happens to be at the scene. Maybe he was the one that caused the fire. That's a ridiculous thing to say, which is also humbly, I, I submit a ridiculous thing to say it's the LDL that is the problem. I don't think it is. We were created to have LDL. LDL is important to transport the very precious cargo of the, tri, of the triglycerides, of the cholesterol, of the antioxidants, of the enzyme CoQ10. It's important in immunity. I don't even think I mentioned that yet, but it's super important 
in immunity, it basically decreases the bacteria's ability to communicate with its bacterial friends that try to wreak havoc and cause us to get sick. It blocks this process called quorum sensing, which is basically when the bacteria gets together and it tries to gang up on us and take over. Well, guess what the LDL does? It actually gobbles up those signaling molecules and makes it hard for the bacteria to do that. It's actually helpful to us. It helps with immunity. It helps with brain function. It helps with all of these things. <laughs> that we talked about. And yes, of course, we do need it in our diet. It is essential. If we don't eat it, our liver makes it. So either way, we're going to have it in our bodies because we need it. We need it to survive. But the caveat is we need to ingest the right kind of fat, the right kind of cholesterol, not the crappy chemically manufactured stuff that comes from the lab, right? The polyunsaturated fatty acids, all of those processed oils that I talked about in the beginning, the safflower, the soil, the canola, you know, it's crazy if you look at the history. I don't even have time to go into it, but Procter & Gamble basically started making these things to try to use a waste product from the, the, the whole cotton industry. They made this thing called cottonseed oil, and it actually was toxic to animals. And then they figured out a way to make it non-toxic, and then it ended up on the shelves as Crisco. And, and it's, it's actually a super interesting, if you guys like history, like this is a drama. This is like, holy moly, this is like pretty interesting history. But this all started 100 years ago, and we've been told that the vegetable oils are good for us. Well, I'm sad to report that the majority of them are not good for us. And the reason is because they're processed in the lab, they have extra hydrogen bonds, these things called double bonds, and they they are, um, like I said, polyunsaturated, generally speaking. They're hydrogenated. And because of these extra double bonds, um, they become very, very prone, likely, to get oxidized. And they're very, very pro-inflammatory. And at the end of the day, what we're trying to avoid is inflammation. Inflammation is the villain. It's not cholesterol. It's not LDL. It's inflammation that is the villain. So we need to avoid these highly processed oils. And um, I did a live recently where I happened to find one in my pantry, that, which I think might have been placed there. We had some people staying with us. And I don't know if it was from them or we just we may have just had it sitting there not using it. And, and I dumped the thing. You know, we basically only use the natural unprocessed oils like avocado oil, a very pure, ultra, extra virgin, you know, olive oil, MCT oil, coconut oil. I mean, in fact, the other night I made, um, I made a batch of brownies. I was kind of in this tradition on, you know, like a holiday. It was Mother's Day and I wanted to do something nice. And unfortunately, I couldn't share it with my wife because she's not back home yet. She's with the kids on the mainland at the moment, attending to some health issues and other issues there. And so, um, I'm here alone in Hawaii back working and I made some brownies, um, for our neighbors. We got a couple that lives uh, near us and wanted to do a little something for mother's day. And I made them with coconut oil and you can ask her, but I thought they were dang good. And, <laughs> but I thought it important to, to, you know, share them and to try to use things that aren't bad. And so don't feel like, oh my gosh, my recipes are all going to be jacked up. There's plenty of, you know, get on the internet, get on Pinterest. There's lots of good recipes using actual healthy things. Dump the bad stuff. It's okay. You won't miss it, and your body will be grateful, grateful, grateful that you avoided these bad 
um, fats, the vegetable oils that are highly processed, because they are part of the problem, not the whole issue. A lot of it's high blood sugar, diabetes, prediabetes, the inflammation that occurs from the highly processed carbohydrates, basically everything that comes in a package, right? The things that have more than five ingredients, that's actually the problem. That is the problem. So let's go back to this whole LDL phenomenon because that's what the doctor checks, right? He checks that, you know, on your yearly or every two to three year panel. And most of them don't actually know um, all of this background that I just gave you. And they just assume that LDL is the bad guy and they measure the level in a vacuum and they might erroneously and not, not that it's their fault, but this may just be the way they've been taught or misled over the years by the pharmaceutical companies that you just have to, whatever you do, you got to bring down your LDL level, which has actually never really been shown when, when critically looked at these studies um, and you know, eliminating all the confounding variables like we talked about in the beginning, things that we actually should pay attention to, like the presence of high blood pressure, the, pl- the presence or absence of smoking, the the presence or absence of diabetes or high blood sugar or this thing called hemoglobin A1C, which is kind of like a measure of the um, levels of the blood sugar over the last couple of months. Like those are the things we should be also taking into consideration and not just interpreting a single level called the LDL in a vacuum because that is very, very problematic. And even in the best cases, looking at all of the data, there is at best, a tiny loose association with LDL as any possible, um, you know, bad uh, player in here. And actually, the more that they've looked at this and the more that they've included non-pharmaceutically sponsored studies and the more that they've looked at population data, like I said, looking at these nonagenarians, octogenarians, people that live past 100 centenarians, you know, looking at all these people that actually live a really long time, one of the things that stands out is they actually have a higher LDL, um, you know, above 150, above 200, often even above 250. Um, and they live longer. They live longer for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier, right? We need the cholesterol for our immune system. We need it for our brains. We need it for cell membranes. We need all this stuff. It is so, 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 so necessary. But we need to avoid the oxidation. We need to avoid the inflammation And we need to do that through proper diet, which is healthy, real, natural, wholesome, and just whole foods, right? Avoiding the processed stuff. And when we look at the blood work, we should really be looking at the combination of all of the things, not just an LDL by itself. We should look at HDL, which is the high-density lipoprotein, which we'd like that to be as high as we can get it. You know, I think they say 50 is considered pretty good. 50 is actually pretty average. Most ladies out there crush us on the HDL. Estrogen tends to increase the HDL, and theirs tends to be higher, 60s, 70s. If we exercise a whole ton, it tends to even go higher. Um, I've been able to get mine to go from, I think it was 40 or 50 a couple of years ago. Mine's up to 85 right now, and that's through, I'm eating actually a pretty, what the layperson or, or what my doctor might consider a fatty diet. You know, I eat plenty of cholesterol. I eat lots of you know, healthy, natural fats. You know, I just ate, uh, I think I ate three or four eggs this morning, whatever the last of the carton was. I think I ate, I might've eaten even four eggs this morning and that's okay. It's a natural source of cholesterol. And my numbers actually showed that it was okay. My HDL, like I said, is 85. 
my triglycerides were very low. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. It was less than 50. It was pretty low. You do want your triglycerides to be low. And if you have those two things, low triglycerides, high HDL, pretty much the LDL almost doesn't really matter. Um, my LDL happened to be, I think, the total LDL. It was still less than 100, um, but it wasn't zero. You know, it was it was maybe 70 or or so, um, 70 or 80. And it was actually still lower than my HDL. I remember my HDL was higher and that was 85. So my total cholesterol, I think was around 200 or close to that. And that at face value looks like it's a little high, but when you consider half of that is from my so-called good cholesterol, the HDL, and that my triglycerides were half of that, and the remainder, the balance was my LDL, like who cares? I'm as healthy as a horse, and it, those numbers actually are really good. It's the ratio, really, of the triglycerides um, to the HDL that actually, at the end of the day, matter much more than your absolute number of LDL. So I would encourage you to get your numbers checked. Shoot for a low triglyceride number, a high HDL number. If you can get this down to about 0.5, basically you have half. You know, if you have a HDL of 80 and a triglycerides of 40, you're like crushing it. If you can just get the um, triglyceride number uh, lower than your HDL number, that's pretty good. But if you can get it even a little bit lower, like I said, the most important is low triglycerides, high HDL. Uh, the LDL in and of itself actually doesn't matter that much because like I said earlier, it's actually been shown to help with so many things, including uh, brain health, which is Brain Health Awareness Month this month. So I'm super pumped. We're going to talk more about brain health later this month. Um, and LDL helps with, like I told you in the beginning as well, um, immunity. And right now during Corona and everything else, who doesn't want better immunity? So real occurring natural fatty foods like avocados, I mean, eat away, eat away. They're not going to cause you to have any heart attack. And the data actually does not show that. And interestingly enough, when you look at these things, so if we even looked at like why they would consider, you know, giving us a medicine like a statin drug to reduce our cholesterol, the reason they do this is because it blocks this uh, enzyme called HMG-CoA uh, reductase, HMG-CoA reductase. And this enzyme actually makes ketones, it makes cholesterol, and it's a really important enzyme, and it's basically, it can decrease, um, you know, the production that your liver does of the cholesterol, and so it can make your numbers go down, but it really doesn't have any other effect. But I think the reason doctors like it so much, at least any other positive effect, it has a lot of negative effects, but I think doctors like it so much because they have been brainwashed by this idea that LDL is the bad guy. And there is so much evidence, if you actually look at the science that's out there, that shows you LDL is not the bad guy. And I would encourage you to take a look at, if you don't have time to read the whole book, it's actually, I think, about 300 pages, but it's fascinating. It's probably the best summary I've seen of this whole issue of cholesterol, the LDL, what's up with the statins. Uh, it's by a cardiologist, um, whose name is Michelle de Lorgeril. Um, I'll put it in the show notes, but uh, super bright guy. He's a heart specialist, and he basically has summarized all of the data, at least up until the point where he wrote the book, which was a couple of years ago, on uh, cholesterol and the statins. And <laughs> 
you read it for yourself. I've, I've read it and it's fascinating. I love the nerdy, geeky science stuff, but it's, we've been duped and I'm not surprised, you know, the drug companies, pharmaceutical industries are out there at the end of the day. They're not out there to help you. They're out there to make a bunch of money and they do it. They make billions of dollars. And, and I'm a physician. I'm, I'm not naive. I mean, the reason they're there is because we do need medications for certain things, right? If you're dying of a bacterial infection, then yes, you need antibiotics. So I'm so grateful that we are living in the year 2020 when we have antibiotics available. But a lot of the medications that are out there are not that awesome. Some of them, including these, are potentially uh, quite harmful. I mean, if you look at how many people have side effects, you know, just ask your own family members if they've ever been on a statin drug. And if so, did they have any side effects at all? I'd be willing to bet they probably did. My father was on these for a while, and we talked a bit about it, and finally we decided that other changes um, were better than continuing to be on a statin. He was actually having a lot of muscle pain and having muscle breakdown, and, and that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Um, in fact, I, you know, between you and me, I, I've seen people um, that have been treated by colleagues of mine and first order, you know, friends and colleagues. This is not a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. This is basically one person, you know, here, one person there that I've worked with or that I've been familiar with that have basically shared with me not just, you know, the super common stuff. I've seen lots of the common stuff. I've seen the muscle breakdown. I've seen the muscle pain, you know, all these kinds of things. I've seen all that. That's actually super common. Probably at least 30% of people on statins have those negative side effects. But, but in my small sphere, I mean, with myself and a couple of my colleagues, we've seen several people also have significant problems with these medications to the point where they were thought to be possibly the cause of their demise. And so it's not something that should be taken lightly. I'm not telling you to stop any medication. I'm telling you you need to talk to your doctor about it. Have your doctor read this book. Take it to him and say, hey, I've been reading this book. It's by a cardiologist. It's called Cholesterol and Statins um, by Michel de Lorgeril out of, he's actually a French guy, super bright. He summarizes the data. It's less than 20 bucks on Amazon. Like, I don't get anything out of it, but I think education is key. Take a look. Have your doctor take a look. See if they still think you should be on a statin because there are so many other ways to improve your health and I think one of, the, one of the maybe big issues, let's say that statins don't cause any problems. Um, I tend to think that there's lots of harmful uh, side effects that we need to look at, but let's just say that they don't. Let's just say that they don't cause any problems. I think one of the things that they could cause, and actually this guy shows it in the book, is that people get a false sense of security that if they take this drug, they take this pill, then they can you know, have poor lifestyle choices. They can eat whatever they want. They can not exercise. They can not do all the things that are actually good for them because this medicine will make up the difference. That is a huge problem. Even if the statins have no problems and no side effects and no issues, which humbly I submit that they do, but let's say they didn't, the fact that people are relying on them to not live as healthy as possible, which has been shown, and you know, read the book, it's fascinating, that could be even the biggest issue. So, so anyway, um, I don't get anything out of it other than your enlightenment, but read the book. I think it's fascinating. I'll put it in the show notes. Super, super interesting. Um, there's also a guy, named, another cardiologist named Dr. Ali, A-L-I. He's done some fascinating work on this. He has a few YouTube videos. Check that out. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he's 
seen in his practice. He's seen in thousands of patients the importance of of really just just a good natural based diet. He's actually into the you know low carb, high fat you know diet. He talks about um, you know the importance of that. The fats is not the problem, which I agree with a hundred percent. It's the type of fats you know avoid the processed stuff. It's getting your inflammation down getting your insulin down, which is basically a marker of inflammation. So if we can, you know, do the things that decrease inflammation, we eat a healthy diet, we exercise, movement is so important. I delineated that just in uh, the other week's podcast. It's so important to move, so, so important. It decreases our inflammation, decreases our, our cardiovascular risk. It's so, so important. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not the LDL. LDL, if there's one thing I leave you with, LDL in and of itself, LDL is not the bad guy. What if it were actually the good guy that's showing up to repair the damage, the damage that was caused by the oxidative stress, the injury that we've placed upon our bodies through our poor choices in our foods, in our lack of exercise, you know, all of those things. Those things are what causes the injury, which is the beginning of this whole cascade. What if the LDL is just the firefighter. It's there to help heal the injured tissue. What about that? It's at least as likely as the hypothesis that was proposed 50 years ago, and now it looks maybe more like that could be the real deal in all the the more recent studies that we've had. And when we look at all the other factors, when we look at the other markers, the HDL, the triglycerides, which we want, as I mentioned, triglycerides to be low, HDL to be high. We want our inflammatory markers to be low, things like the highly sensitive C-reactive protein or the HSCRP. We want that to be low. It's a marker of inflammation. We also want our ferritin to be on the lower part as well because it's a marker of inflammation. We also um, want to have a low calcium score if you're above age, you know, 50 or 60, have a family history of heart disease is something to think about. It's a special kind of scan they do looking for what they call the calcium score. We want to have a low calcium score. And I would submit to you that you can have all of these good levels with an elevated LDL if it's coming from good, healthy fat. It's really not the fat that's the problem. So think about it. Read the book I mentioned, share this, tell your family members if they're on statins that it's something to look at. Maybe they should read the book. Maybe they should have their doctors read the book because I think, unfortunately, so many of us don't know this stuff and I wasn't taught this stuff. And so many of the things I was taught was influenced by the pharmaceutical industry and they report things in a fashion that's not congruent with how you and I would speak. For example, they talk about things called relative risk reduction. And I'll part with this because I think it's so fascinating. Say you want to win the lottery, okay? Who doesn't want to win the lottery, right? But say your chances of winning the lottery are really low. Say they're like 1 in 10 million, okay? And then say your neighbor or buddy or friend or somebody you trust says, hey, you know, instead of, you know, paying 10 bucks or 20 bucks for this lottery ticket, Um, I can increase your relative chances, the relative risk of you winning the lottery. I can double that. I can double your chances if you can give me a hundred bucks. So your chances went from one in 10 million to win the lottery to two in 10 million to win the lottery. So relatively, your chances of winning doubled, right? They doubled. (laughs) This is what they call the relative risk. But at the end of the day, guess what he did? 
he went to the store for a hundred bucks. He bought you one more lottery ticket and then he bought himself the remainder, you know, however much they cost these days. I haven't purchased one, but and then he had another five or six or, or nine left for himself because he duped you by this whole concept of what they call, and unfortunately, a lot of the science, the relative risk. The thing that we need to be paying attention to is what's called the absolute risk. And often this is not even reported <laughs> because it basically doesn't show any improvement. And a lot of these cholesterol studies, like I said, just read the book. You'll see this. It's so fascinating. The so-called improvement is the relative risk reduction, which is so minuscule that I think most people, if they understood it, they'd be like, oh my gosh, this isn't really helping at all. And what? I got to be on this medicine for the rest of my life? Well, Big Pharma wants us to be, right? Why wouldn't they want us to be? Because if we're going to be on it for the rest of our lives, you know, I'm coming up on 50 and I want to live another 40 or 50 years. I'm going to be on this medicine for the next 40 or 50 years, thinking about how much money that's going to make them. This is a $40 billion industry, at least just for this class of medications in and of itself, the statins. And so just be smart, get all the information, talk to your doctor, have them read this book by the French cardiologist that I mentioned about cholesterol and the statins. Just be informed. I, I, I'm all about information, getting the word out, spreading this, sharing this, and I hope you will do the same because it pumps me up to get the real numbers out there, the real information, and it's just knowledge is power, right? And then if we go and do the... Um, you know, the, the homework and we actually apply this knowledge and the power, then that's when the rubber meets the road. And that's when we're going to see real changes. So go and get out there, live healthy, eat all the good cholesterol and fats that you want, because they're not going to hurt you. Your body will get rid of the ones it doesn't need. Do the good stuff that you know is beneficial. Like we've talked about movement every day or five or six times a week, natural foods, avoid the processed stuff. Be healthy, be strong, live well, share this information, get informed. Knowledge is power. Love you guys. Thanks so much. Please give me a review on iTunes. Share this episode with anybody you know of that may have issues with cholesterol, that may be on a statin, that may be considering a statin. Just think about it. There's lots of good stuff out there if you really look for it. Unfortunately, if it's sponsored by a drug company, it's likely to be misleading and likely to not be awesome because they have an ulterior a motive I do not. I'm about sharing the real, good, hard science in a simple and applicable way. This is not hard. You don't have to measure everything you put in your body. Just go natural. Go fresh. Go real. Go whole. All right. Love you guys. Got to go. Got to get to work. Actually, a big aloha from Hawaii. Nei.